when it comes to competing at a national level, what Oregon State and Washington State are attempting to do in the next several years is unprecedented. You are Locked On Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 Conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Locked On Pack 12. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, and your number one source to stay up to date with our media rights free and Pack 2 dominated and beloved Conference of Champions. Like, comment, subscribe, rate, review, please, and thank you wherever you listen to or watch this show, which today is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use code Locked On for twenty dollars off your first purchase. So let's talk about Oregon State and Washington State here, because a mailbag question came in that I'll get to that pertain to what the vision is going to be for Oregon State and Washington State. What's the press? What are they trying to accomplish? Who are they trying to model their success after? I think it's a really common thing for fans to do in sports. I know that I, as a Portland Trailblazers fan, find myself doing that as the team has gone into full out take full on tank mode and rebuild and plan for the future. I look to other teams to give myself hope. I look at the Oklahoma City Thunder and say, why can't we do that? I look at the Sacramento Kings and say, can we have a plan that looks something like that? Can we have a vision? Can there be a development process that results in looking like that particular organization as it's currently running? And those two teams are succeeding and they were bottom dwellers for quite a long time. Now, Oregon State and Washington State are not going to take a step back like that. But I think as you ponder, you know, what Oregon State and Washington State are trying to do, it truly is an unprecedented situation. Because here's Oregon State that over the last several years under Jonathan Smith had undergone a slow and steady rebuild, as it always has to be in Corvallis. It's not even in the transfer portal era. It's not a place where you're going to bring in a top 20 overall recruiting class, high school transfer portal, or both combined in what you call a composite class, you're just not going to do that there. Same thing at Washington State. You can recruit maybe in the top 40, maybe every now and then crack the top 30, but that's about where the ceiling is. So building there takes a lot more time. And so now as they undergo what is a de facto conference relegation, as they're playing a Mountain West Plus schedule in 2024, Oregon State and Washington State are seeking to compete at the highest level possible because Oregon State had so much hope, specifically under under Jonathan Smith. The Washington State had this in the early portion of the season. We've seen glimpses with Jake Dickert there, and I'm fascinated to see how that plays out because I think Dickert is is a good coach, and he's recruited well for for the Cougars this offseason. But as they look to build what is going to be Oregon State football in the future, I'm not talking about stylistically on the field. I'm just talking as a program. School-wide, university-wide, what is it going to look like? What is the trajectory? What is the path to success? What do you set as a baseline standard of expectation for 2024? I think that might depend on which Oregon State fan you actually ask. And so for Oregon State, and this applies to Washington State as well, but I think it's more prominent for, for Oregon State going into this year because of where they were at under Jonathan Smith until the departure, which was, hey, 
kind of a dark horse playoff team here. Dark horse Pac-12 title contender over the last couple of seasons. That's been a very real title. They have had that. National shows like Josh Pate have dubbed them as such, and they have earned that they had earned that respect. But going forward, what do you do? What do you do? I was trying to think of a comparison like I did for the Blazers with the Kings and the Thunder, and you could maybe put the Timberwolves in that conversation as well, as to what the precedent is for how Oregon State can build themselves up into a program that is competing at a national level year in and year out, similar to what they would have had if either Jonathan Smith had stuck around and, well, yeah, it's probably an and rather than an either. If Jonathan Smith had stuck around and the pack had stayed together with at least nine core teams, because if you'd had a pack nine with San Diego State, and we know now, thanks to that piece in the Seattle Times, that adding San Diego State got as far as a vote was called, though never held, to decide on whether or not to admit them as a member to the pack and then have 10 teams and think about expanding again the following year. That that particular time was looking like it'd be Oregon and Washington at the top of the conference, and the next tier of teams was probably Oregon State. And we know now Arizona would be in the mix, Colorado maybe with the amount of talent that they can acquire in Boulder. But now Oregon State is in this weird in-between sort of space because you're left with a disappointing 8-5 and five season that ended with three straight losses, two of them by at least 24 points. Your head coach has gone off to Michigan State. Most of your best players have hit the transfer portal. So what's the vision? And I I sat there and thought about it. Like, what is the precedent? There is no precedent for this. It does not exist. So Oregon State and Washington State are navigating a space that they have no reference point for. I thought about teams like Utah and TCU and the way they thrived in the Mountain West and parlayed that into invitations into larger conferences and have become national brands. Utah, back-to-back Pac-12 championship games and four straight appearances in full seasons of college football. TCU going to the national championship game a year ago, beating Michigan in the college football playoff semifinal. Those sorts of ascensions as programs are not directly comparable to what Oregon State and Washington State are going to do. Because at their peak, we've seen what they're capable of. Washington State, once upon a time, I recall a 2018 season that was culminated with an Alamo Bowl victory in which Washington State was ranked inside the top 10, was 10-1 and going into the Apple Cup and lost at home in a snow game to the Huskies. But that was a team and a program that I saw competing at a very high level, and I know they can get back there. You could argue the window is perhaps narrow because the amount of money that they have to fund their athletic departments at the level that allows them to compete at a higher level, perhaps, or have certain advantages compared to their de facto Mountain West peers now will eventually run out. Like That money is not unlimited, but it's definitely there. It's definitely there. And Washington State has repeated over and over again, We want to continue to fund at a Power 5 level. We want to continue to compete at the highest level possible. Obviously, they're not being allowed to do that for stupid, no good, very bad, dumb, greedy reasons. But they're making the most of it. So as they plot a path forward in football, I I think that trying to form a schedule every year is a challenge, number one. 
They've both done it for next year. I think solidly Oregon State has got one extra power game in there than Washington State. But that's kind of the first step. And I think that every single, you know, the bill that I was talking about here, my point on it is that you have to basically do this now on a year-by-year basis. And I think 2024 is going to give us a lot of information on what they will be able to do going forward. Because the Mountain West is a good group of five football conference. There are good brands, good teams, good programs, good coaches in there. And Oregon State and Washington State, their rosters are not going to be the same as they were this past season. Oregon State especially. They are getting hit really, really hard in the transfer portal. They've brought in some nice additions. I've talked about them on the show. But their roster is going to be less talented next year. That's the way it looks at this point in time. So I think that path that I have a couple more thoughts on is completely and utterly unprecedented because we've never seen anything like this. We've seen, not in the modern era at least, right? I mentioned TCU and Utah. They were Mountain West programs. They were good. Then they elevated to great. And then they got an invitation to go be somewhere else. I can't guarantee to Washington State and Oregon State that an invitation to the Big 12 or ACC will ever arrive or that an invitation to be back at the table of major power four, power three, power two, whatever it becomes, college football will ever arrive. Nobody can guarantee that that will happen. It hasn't happened. It could happen one day. But I think you have to operate in a world or at least be prepared for the possibility that it doesn't arrive. But they can compete. It is indeed possible. It's also possible you haven't checked out FanDuel yet. And the NFL season is wrapping up, but there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. So if you think Washington's going to win, but you want to take the points just in case, they're plus four and a half, you go put $5 on Washington. Let's say I am wrong. I think Washington's winning the game. Let's say I'm wrong and Michigan wins the game. And you'd place a $5 bet on Washington. You can't then come back to me and say, Spencer, I didn't get 150 bucks because you told me to bet Washington. Because guess what? You get 150 in bonus bets, whether you win or lose. Doesn't get any easier than that. The app is easy to use. There are a bunch of different ways to bet. They've got live save game par- same game parlays. You can find bets in the new Explore tab. They've got the Parlay Hub and so much more. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make your first bet. Alea, FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Okay, so why am I talking about this? The future and the path and everything like that all stems from a mailbag question. This came uh, from Carla via Twitter, but there's more than one way to get a question answered here on the show, as Carla well knows. YouTube comments or hit me up on Twitter, which is more reliable. I check it more often at smalls underscore 55 or at LO underscore pack 12. DMs and mentions are wide open. Carla asks, Mailbag Q, you mentioned TCU in this broadcast. What if Oregon State and Washington State model their growth like Clemson, a small ACC school that's managed to win two playoff championships? That would be a great way to rebuild the pack. Well, from a size standpoint, here's something that might surprise some people, at least at a certain level. Uh, Clemson certainly has got more money to work with at least at the outset, that's how it appears, than Oregon State and Washington State because of the way that they've invested in their football program. But if you're just talking about the size of the school and enrollment, TCU's enrollment is very small. It's 10,000 students. 
it's not that big of a school. Now it's a private Christian school and they've clearly got enough money to contend at a high level. Clemson and Clemson's enrollment is 23,000, 23,000. Oregon state and Washington state are both bigger. The Beavs have got 10,000 more students. Washington state's got 26,000 more. I only bring that up to speak to the size of the school and say, well, you know, a small school like Clemson, well, these schools are not actually that particularly small, but Going back to what I was talking about to begin the show and the unprecedented nature of what Oregon State and Washington State are going to attempt to do. And that's potentially rebuild a conference. But at the very least, they are going to try and compete at a national level and try to get college football playoff spots if they are able to put that caliber of product on the field. But that's completely different than what Clemson did in the ACC because Clemson did it with the ACC brand. Clemson did it with the ACC championship game there. Also, Dabo Sweeney, I love bringing this up because fans want instant success from coaches and they want to win at a high level right away and everything like that. Dabo Sweeney was hired in 2009. He won his first national championship in 2016. He won his second one in 2018, and he hasn't won one since. It's very, very hard. Dabo, great coach. Great coach. Went nine and four this year. Wasn't ranked for most of the season. College football is indeed immensely difficult, but that's not a model to rebuild the pack because for Oregon State and Washington State, I think they should try to put together the best group of five conference possible. I think they should piggyback on the timeline of the Mountain West media deal expiring, take the best teams from there, Take some teams from the American Conference, figure out who your 12 or 14 or whatever number you want to go with are, see if there's a media deal out there for that particular entity. I'll I'll get to that uh, in just a second and make the best conference that you can. But to say that that means right away there's going to be an ascension of a program, even one that is run very well. Let's say Trent Bray is the new Jonathan Smith or Jake Dickert, you know, starts having just wild success at Washington state and is winning 10 to 12 games a year in the mountain West plus schedules that the Beavs and the Cougs are putting together. That still does not guarantee that there's going to be a Clemson like Ascension as they did in the ACC right away. I mean, you might have to stack a few seasons on top of each other, and, and at least push for playoff spots and be in contention year after year in order to show players in the transfer portal, hey, if I go over there, not only can I play right away, but I can have a chance to go to the college football playoff, which is now going to be a really big carrot to dangle in front of uh, in front of recruits. That's going to be a huge bargaining piece and a huge negotiating tool. And I think that that's why the first year matters so, so much for Oregon State and Washington State, because they've got to be able to show right away that they're going to be able to compete at the highest level with the schedule they do have. Because if they do that, they don't even have to make the playoff in the first couple of years. If they can just insert themselves into the conversation at various points throughout the year, I think that will help resonate with recruits and with transfer portal targets for those coaching staffs to go out there, talk to those kids and say, hey, we need a player like you. Look how close we were. We're competing for this spot. We're going to continue to do so. It's not going to be an easy thing to do. And and the finances of it can get really messy with no media deal right now for the pack. And and we don't even know what the Beavs and Cougs are going to do for some of their media games or some of their media rights in, in 2024. Like they're essentially going to be selling their home games 
a la carte to somebody. And we'll see how much money they're able to, to get from that. They're probably just trying to break even at that point. And even that is probably a far, far-fetched proposition. But uh, really interesting question, Carla. And, and I think that it's a curious conversation. Let me know your thoughts in the YouTube comments, or like I said, hit me up on Twitter at smalls underscore 55 or at LO underscore PAC 12. But I, I don't think there is a school. I don't think there is a vision. I don't even think looking at the independence, you know, like Liberty, for instance, maybe they'd be the closest comparison. They were an independent for a while. They joined conference USA. They win the conference. They play in a new year six game. They would have been in the college football playoff this year. Had it been a 12 team format, Maybe, but even that is different because they're not in even even that for Liberty is all ascension. This is relegation down and trying to show that you can be back at that level. And that's not going to be an easy thing to do. And results on the field are going to matter a great deal. So too do media rights, as we all know. So long question here from Kyler, but hear him out. I like the common sense layout of the Pac-12 future you offer. I realize there are a million desperate what-ifs just for fun since I'm a Beaver fan and want to escape from reality. I have my what-if. I'll hear you out. Apple, Amazon, Elon Musk, etc. Some organization that is positioned with a lot of resources and a desire to get in the game on college sports media sees the Pac-12 entity as an empty vessel they can use to get in the game. They see it. They see that it's a wild west of realignment, so they step in and go, quote, program hunting. They inherit the beeves and cougs, then go out to market and start looking for brands, and they can bring into the Pac-12 with large media deals for a football-only conference. That's tricky. We have seen what these schools will do for money. It's not impossible. I'm just saying it's tricky. The ACC has schools looking for money. There will be former Pac schools that would likely come home for money. Mm. This didn't happen in time to save the pack as is, but I would venture to say it is uh, that uh, as each month goes by, the landscape of college football continues to show its potential to shift. I think it's safe to say that all programs are for sale at this point. Don't agree with you entirely. Interesting concepts in there, though. So first of all, this is a really important message. Aside from the ACC blowing up and Calford, that's Cal and Stanford put together, becoming back on the market, so to speak, do not in any thought have an idea that that teams could come back. They're not coming back. And no one would come back that would move the needle in a significant enough fashion. Doesn't mean you wouldn't welcome Cal and Stanford back if they didn't have a home anymore. You would 100% in a heartbeat. And I think I'm going to talk about that on an upcoming episode of the show. But I think that for the media rights, as it pertains to this year, going to entities like Apple, which we know has an interest in college sports and sports broadcasting writ large, I think makes a lot of sense. Now, can an entity like Apple or Amazon or Elon Musk or whoever then go program hunting to rebuild the pack? No, I do not believe so. And I'll tell you why. After I tell you about game time, which is the best way to buy tickets to your next big event. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. 
With killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from your seat, and their best price guarantee, Game Time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. That's a good thing. Game Time is the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase. You can see the view from your seat before you arrive so you know exactly what to expect. And all-in prices show your total up front so you know you're getting a you know you're getting a great deal before you check out. Buy tickets in seconds with two taps. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use code Locked On for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an create an account, redeem code L O C K E D O N for twenty dollars off. That's code Locked On. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. So the notion that an entity could come in, buy the pack, be willing to overspend perhaps, and go get schools to come back, don't count on it, don't plan for it. I don't think that is in the mindset. And there are a lot of fans, I'm sure, who would push back anyway. Not that that is the driving force behind my my reasoning for why that's not a move. That should be in your lexicon if you're a Pac-12 administrator, current Pac-2 administrator or somebody like that. I think that if you were to get Apple involved with this year's games, that would make a tremendous amount of sense for two reasons. Number one, you know that they want to be involved in college sports. They proposed a deal to have the rights to the Pac-12. So at the very least, would you be able to sell them a couple of games? all the home games for Oregon State and Washington State, I don't see why they wouldn't take that. It's not going to cost them a pretty penny, but they'd be willing to pay, I'd say, fair market value because they're someone who's trying to get in on the ground floor. And typically, you're willing to go into the red a little bit if it means you can get started on something that you think has greater value down the line. And if the pack does rebuild and Apple were to have an existing relationship with Oregon State and Washington State, which would be the organizing members of said conference, well, suddenly you've got a media rights partner in addition to the plan that I've laid out, like Apple could be your streamer, and then Fox and or CBS, if they no longer want to be a part of the you know former Mountain West and you're able to get the best schools from there, well, then Fox and CBS would probably say, oh, okay, let's go over and you know have a, have a deal here because they want to be involved in some capacity with the Mountain West, or at least they have been before. And I think they would be again, because it doesn't cost them a ton, but it's quality football. It's quality football. And I think between CBS and Fox, at least one of them would remain interested beyond the current deal, if not both. So I think that's a good thing. And then number two, you would you would have a place that for people to actually watch the games this year. Is it the most accessible spot? No, it, it, it is not. Games have been played on Pac-12 Network for a while, though. And as I talked about during this whole meteorite saga, Apple TV, Pac-12 Network, probably about the same number, same amount of visibility there. I mean, maybe it's slightly higher in the Pac-12 Network. But the other thing is for Oregon State and Washington State, this is just for their home games. Their their away games are already going to be broadcasted. Away games on the Mountain West or when, when they play Mountain West teams, that is going to piggyback off the Mountain West media deal. That's Fox and CBS. So those are going to be televised games. So you already have those that are on, you know, national linear TV for what that is worth and such. But I I think that for Oregon State and Washington State, yeah, exposure matters. 
I'm, I'm not sitting here saying it doesn't. Results matter above all else. And you got to have a way to keep your fans, you know, in tune with what's going on and, and allow them to continue uh, to watch your games. But I don't think that there is any entity that could come in and convince Oregon, Washington, USC, and UCLA, one, two, three, or four of them to come back to the pack. I don't see it. I, I think that with the direction that college football is going, they've already got the golden ticket to Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory, which is the Big Ten or the SEC. There's no reason. I, I don't think that there is an amount of money that could be offered by anybody to those universities that would make them think, yeah, okay, let's leave the Big Ten. Let's go back and build the pack again. That won't happen. So just erase that as, as a possibility. Cal and Stanford, different story. But the Big 12, yeah, the Big 12 teams, again, probably not. The Big 10 teams, not a shot. Not a shot. Okay. Went a little bit long there, but a couple of things to get to on uh, on the show. Uh, two more mailbag questions. This one from Big Rig U. It seems like the bowl games would have been a lot better if the transfer portal window was moved to January, starting about January 2nd and going for about five or six weeks from there. What do you think? In theory, that's correct. In practicality, the answer is no. We are past the point of no return with opt-outs in bowl games because you cannot force a kid to play in a bowl game even if he's not entering the transfer portal now, but he has plans to, he'll opt out of the game. So opt-outs are just going to remain, which I think sucks, but we determine bowl games don't mean anything. I don't subscribe to that notion. I'm old school, but I understand how people got there. I don't like that they reiterated it and then kids got it in their heads and then decided, eh, I'm not going to play in this game anymore. And it really, really caught on. But I still like bowl season. I don't think it's going anywhere, even in the era of the 12-team college football playoff. And I think that the transfer portal window should still, however, be moved to after the season because the calendar in college football makes no sense. You're putting a ridiculous amount of stress and pressure on coaches and universities and compliance people to just do it, be doing this all at one time. And I understand there's an academic component. I'm telling you. If people really had the will to make that change, they could do it. No problem. A lot of schools don't start uh, until you know the middle of January after winter break anyway. And I, I, I just don't subscribe to the belief that you know, well you can't you can't you can't move the transfer port. It's got to be there because of because of the timing with the school year. Like, give me a break. Get, give me a break. Can you not have an early signing day? Because kids are still in high school. Because last time I checked, there are kids who signed out of high school in the early signing window and practice with their teams going into the bowl game. That's a real thing that's happened here. So the academic considerations, I don't, I don't stand for that. But from a college football standpoint, I could lay out five different reasons why it makes sense to have the portal after the year. But the two most important ones, number one, Make it a little bit easier on the coaches whose jobs are ridiculously busy and ridiculously hard. And number two, generate the maximum amount of interest for your sport. Like from a marketing standpoint, it makes no sense to have your free agency window in the middle of the season. It just, it doesn't make any sense. It's really, really dumb. So it wouldn't fix bowl games, but it would fix other problems. Last one here from Tyler uh, asking about, you know, schools that could make the jump from FCS to FBS, particularly out of the Big Sky. So the Big Sky is arguably the best college football FCS conference in America. 
Montana is playing in the national championship game. Montana State was playing in it last year. Sacramento State's been really good. Idaho's back under Jason Eck. There are a bunch of good, but Eastern Washington historically ha- has been great in, in that conference. There are a lot of really, really good football teams in that league year in and year out. The Montana schools, oh, the brawl of the wild is fantastic. Great rivalry game. The reason that when I talk about realignment, schools like Montana or Sacramento State or North Dakota State don't come up is because the NCAA just made it much more difficult to make that transition. So the reason is James Madison. So James Madison was an FCS school. They were very good in football. They made the jump to Conference USA. They started winning games immediately. Why? Because that school didn't have to pay very much money. And so they had all this money and they poured it into their football program. They've got the coaching. Their coach just got taken away to uh, Indiana, but they've got the resources and they've got the investment and the desire to be good. The NCAA in an attempt, and I think it'll be a rather successful one, to minimize the chaos and teams jumping around and the instability that it's caused at the FCS level, increase the fee that has to be paid to the NCAA or somebody, I assume it's the NCAA, to become an FBS school when you're at the FCS level. It was $5,000, which is kind of funny because that's basically nothing. (laughs) Like Even for FCS programs, ones that are good enough to go FBS, $5,000, that's nothing. That's literally nothing. It is, however, something now, and that something is $5 million. Now, I am not an economics lawyer. I am loosely familiar with the term price gouging and am wildly curious what a lawyer would say about any entity that suddenly raises the price of something by, what is that, a factor of a thousand? Is that right? Let me let me do my uh, math real quick. You go to 5,000 to get to a million. Yeah, you raise the price by a factor of a thousand. You just a thousand X the price. Of so- the NCAA is quite the organization, but that's why that doesn't come up when I talk about realignment on this show. There are schools that could make sense, most notably the Montana schools. The Montana schools, they've got great fan bases, great support. But even those elite programs, it's different. There are only a couple that I'd say could make the jump to FBS right now and thrive. James Madison obviously did. But like Sam Houston made the jump. Disaster. Absolute disaster of a season. Going to take them a while to be able to compete. Montana could do it. North Dakota State could do it. I don't know if South Dakota State could do it. They're kind of the new kid on the block. So it's it's really, really hard, and that's why it doesn't come up. Appreciate everyone listening. I will see you next time, and until then, I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day.